Welcome to the PRISM Education Center podcast. PRISM Education Center is a K-12 school committed to building principled leaders through sound values, solid culture, and strong community. PRISM Education Center is a Northgate school, and this is our podcast. Hello, this is Misty Newcomb, the Executive Director of PRISM Education Center and your host for today's podcast. Today, I am joined by my friend, Jason Loft, Dr. Jason Lofton, um, who is a, a family physician in Southeast Arkansas. Jason, why don't you say hi? Hey, how are y'all doing? Good morning. And Jason and I have known each other. We were just talking about it. I, I want to say somewhere around 20 years, I, yeah. right? Close is that to about it. Close 15, to it. Yeah, 15 to, years? yeah, yeah, long time. Oh, and I'm Southwest. <laughs> South, I'm in Southwest Arkansas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Southwest Arkansas. Sorry, yeah. let me let me correct that. We met right after uh, you actually met Clay. Right mm-hmm. after um, you got out of medical school, you were doing your internship at the AHEC building in Northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. which happens to be where Prism Education Center is now located. Yes. Funny coincidence. I spent many many hours there in training. <laughs> And tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, so I'm a solo family physician in uh, DeQueen, Arkansas, in Sevier County. And we've uh, been here 13, going on 14 years. And um, I'm in a family physician, so I see anything from newborns to grandparents and everything in between. I uh, am a volunteer PE teacher. I'm a city alderman. I'm a dad of four people and a husband and so uh, enjoy, enjoy, uh, spend a lot of time with family and, and love this community. Yeah. And, and Jason and I know each other because during my early years as a professional, Jason and I were both uh, part of a group on a management team of a group called the Global Leadership Interlink, which is a faith-based, values-based organization for young professionals. And that's kind of, I feel like you knew Clay before, mm-hmm. but that's sort of where we uh, really connected. And um, that organization is, is devoted to developing people of faith in, in their professional fields to, to apply their values, not just uh, in church on Sunday, but in their workplaces during the week. And that was a major formative experience for my life. And yeah, uh, yeah we were in that together. So that was yeah. a, a really valuable, valuable experience. You're also the health officer for your county, right? Correct. Yes. I, I was appointed. It's appointed position by the local judge. And I don't know, it was kind of the the guy that was in the position before me was retiring and I was the youngest guy in town. So they appointed me because it's not a paid job. So. <laughs> <laughs> they needed to take a, advantage of that uh, energy, useful and, energy. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's honestly not, nobody knew who I was until this past year or not. Okay. They didn't know the position existed until this past year. And, okay. and all of a sudden it has a role. It has an and, important and, and that's role. the purpose is to yeah. be the spokesperson for the County or, or appointed head and outbreaks and stuff like that. Yeah. And that, and so we've had a, a, an outbreak and that's why I'm calling you. You've been someone that I've talked to a lot throughout this whole process. And what we're going to talk about today has everything to do with uh, COVID-19. We are going to talk about the vaccinations. Um, and Jason, as health officer, has been in charge of getting people information about the vaccination and, and knowing that process. And I trust Jason a lot. And so he's someone that I've talked to, I feel like has had a real balanced approach inside of all of this and, um, and has, yeah, just approached it very uh, 
honestly and scientifically and from a common sense perspective as well. And so, Jason, let's let's get into it. I've been through a couple of information sessions just as a, a school leader or a child care director, mm-hmm. and I realize there's a lot of information inside of those sessions that I think would be very valuable for everyone to hear, but mm-hmm. you get online and there's a lot of just it's kind of hard to wade through all the yeah. information. So why don't we just start? Let's start with just some general information about the vaccine. Okay. This is a different kind of vaccine than, you know, like I've always been told by doctors when I take my kids in to get their vaccines that we're injecting a little portion of the disease in them and that's going to generate antibodies. This one works a little differently. Tell us how this one works. Yeah. So right now, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are the two vaccines available at the moment in the US and those are now are called messenger RNA vaccines and essentially they will inject this messenger RNA into your arm or in your muscle and your body uh, will start and in this messenger RNA targets tells about basically tells the body uh, to make that spike protein that everybody's heard about on the news and and that's a foreign host or foreign object in your body and so your body will start making antibodies to attack that spike protein so that if you do get exposed to coronavirus, it already has the antibodies or I tell people it's like little armies. They're ready to attack that thing. And you don't have to make that naturally, which your body will. When If you get coronavirus, which I've, I've had, I had it in March, uh, very mild, minimal symptoms. Yeah. My, it, um, but the, the body will, your natural immune system will attack this thing and, and ideally get rid of it. And so by having those armies there, they're ready to go on an attack right away versus having to build up the armies. Okay. And so they, uh, you would, these are the same, the little army that gets in your system mm-hmm. is what your body would naturally produce yes. if you got coronavirus. Yes. And, and so, you know, we, we, we know there's a natural immune response. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just be a physician and having my own access to a lab. I checked my antibodies in April of last year. That's how I knew I had a coronavirus, actually. I, really? When I had it, it was very, very limited testing. I didn't even qualify myself to get tested. Right. Right um, back in March. <laughs> correct. And so um, my antibody levels were around a five or six. I checked again in October. They were near 105. And I checked again wow. last week before I got the shot, and they were 44. So my numbers are starting to go down. Um, okay. Yeah. Some people go down after three months. Mine didn't. Maybe because okay. of continued exposure. Um, right. So, but that that naturally we know that will go down. The hope is with this this uh, vaccine that our numbers will stay higher, our antibodies will stay higher longer, and fight off the infection longer. Okay. And so, when when you get the shot, are there any? And this would just be a, a reasonable question. What are the side effects? Are sure. there any? Are there any things that we need to be concerned about? Uh, so side effects, this is a good question to be aware of. Um, so um, locally, so half of my employees or most of my employees actually got the Pfizer vaccine. Okay. What's neat about it is local, a local hospital in the area had extra vaccines. So they reached out to area providers and my staff and many other staff went to this hospital to get their vaccine. And that's one thing that's been neat about all this is seeing people work together. Um, yeah. Hospital total no, no affiliation. And so they got the Pfizer vaccine. Had They had no side effects with the first shot. They just got their second shot this week, and they did have some flu-like symptoms the next day. Um, okay. I, I got the Moderna vaccine on Monday, felt fine, went and rode, even rode my bike 15 miles afterward or you know, the next day, felt fine. 
and um, did have a sore arm the next day. Felt like somebody kind of punched me in the arm a little bit okay. and had a little achiness, but not too, too bad. So that that is a normal response for your that's your body ramping up its its immune response to build this stuff. Right. And when I've gotten my when my kids have had their vaccines, it, that sounds very similar Mm-hmm. to the responses that the doctors always tell me they will have yeah. or they might have. And and one of my kids does and the rest don't. So it just seems like it's just your, everybody's body responds a little yep. differently, Correct. but nothing too severe. Okay. Correct. All right. Well, so let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, I think when, when you get online, you, there's this hesitation and we've actually done another podcast about that, the, the mm-hmm. hesitation that some people feel. And I want to just talk about those things directly because okay. I think it's not something to be whispered about in the shadows. Like right. let's bring it out in the open and talk about why are people, why is, why is there hesitation? And what I've heard is just, no one really wants to be the the first person on a, to, to get a vaccine and, and no one, uh, this, you know, initially we heard that this was going to take two years, but it mm-hmm. ended up only taking, you know, less than one year. And so can you tell me a little bit about that process? Who made this Sure. and why did it happen so fast? Why did it move through so quickly? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, was right there with some hesitation, say six months ago. Yeah. Um, because this is new, um, we, I, I, we're, we're, all, I think through the media, we're all well aware that vaccines take a while. I was, I was aware of that just from my training. Right. Um, so I had some hesitation and what I started doing is looking for answers and found some physicians. Uh, I trust one of my classmates is a, uh, va- he's over the vaccine department at a major university. I'm hoping to get him on a, on a Facebook live soon oh, and yeah. let people hear from him. He's from Fort Smith, Arkansas, okay. but, um, so old, older vaccines were tend to, the way they were developed is they were initially started uh, incubation in, a, in eggshells. And that's why some people with egg allergies can't take okay. these vaccines. But so it would, that's a process that would take, you have to grow the vaccine essentially, uh, figure out. And, and, and these companies all start with about, say, let's say they start with 20 different options and they develop these vaccines and have to test them in animals first. Once they get uh, the best response in an animal, then they go switch over to a small amount of human subjects, get a response, and they start these phase one, two, and three trials. Uh, Once they get done with the phase three trial, then they go to the government, the FDA, to get approval or authorization, and then they start making the vaccine. With with this technology, one, the messenger RNA technology does not have to be made in the eggshells, and so they are able to make it in these large machines. So Pfizer has several of these machines spread throughout the world so that they can make large batches of this messenger RNA. Um, the government, of, obviously with Operation Warp Speed, gave a lot of money up front, so it was guaranteed money. And once once okay. Pfizer and Moderna quickly identified their ideal vaccine, they started making it right away before they okay. had all the trials done, before they had authorization. And that's why when the emergency use authorization was recently granted, they were able to ship the next day. And so they so a lot of red tape was removed, you know, when, when they went to the FDA for this meeting, they met the next week versus the FDA may be saying, Hey, we'll see you in six months. And okay. so there's lots of, lots of hurdles that were removed to make it fast. And that once I learned about the process, um, it, it helped ease my concerns and, you know, up to at this moment, um, there's been more than 35 million shots given worldwide, 11.9 million in the U S as of, uh, last night. And wow. so, you know, that's a lot of shots mm-hmm. given and has there, I've, I've read of one possible death. 
of a physician in Florida. We don't know if that was related to the vaccine or not, but out of 12 million shots and one possible death, then we we don't even know um, a few allergic reactions. Um, So far, it's been very, very good response. Let me ask you something. When you say that they skipped over the emergency trials, does that mean that they did not try this? There was no trial run with people? No, no. They So they did. They did do the animal trials. They did do the first, you know, the first trial on people will be like 12 or 15 people. Okay. And once they see that there's no serious effect, they went on to phase one, phase two. They're still in phase three trials, I believe. So they, they do try mm-hmm. to finish those out. But as the virus spreads and as people get vaccinated, it gets harder and harder to find right. subjects to do that. Um, right. Um, you know, Johnson and Johnson, ho- they're hoping to come out with a vaccine here in the next month or two. Um, they're they're still in the midst of their trial, trying to get their meeting with the FDA probably in the next mm-hmm. month to get the um, EUA. But no, they, they still did all the stuff necessary. But so normally they would do a trial phase one, a phase two and a phase three. And they wouldn't re- they wouldn't um, get their subjects for those trials until after each phase is finished. They were recruiting subjects concurrently while they were doing phase one, getting ready to go into phase two and phase three. So it's not that they did not do the human trials. It's that they did the human trials a lot faster. They were approved much more rapidly and they were able to get basically handle the process a little differently, but it didn't make it less of a scientific process. Like my kids, it would hold up in our biology scientific methods. Right. Correct. And, you know, and I tell people, you know, one of the, you know, people talk about the government and I, you know, sometimes joke say, well, who is the government? I remind people inside of each of these companies, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson, Johnson, AstraZeneca, there are everyday Joes and Janes working in these labs and working in these hospitals. And, and if there was something going on with social media, it's too easy to be, it's just too easy to say, hey, this isn't right. And, um, there, you know, people would be whistleblowing and you would, you want that. That's a good thing when something bad is going on and you're just not hearing that with this. Yeah. It seems like there was a lot of, um, yeah, there's, there's not been any, and it seems like people have been very, very careful. And it, this virus is kind of universally impacting people. To me, that's also something that kind of helps me navigate all this is Hmm. everyone has someone that they love that would be impacted by this Correct. virus. And so that I think it does kind of align the incentives uh, universally mm-hmm. <laughs> to, yeah. to, to help people. So that's, that's good. Okay. Um, so, so we don't necessarily have concerns with the process. It, it, you know, there is a reason that those safeguards are in place and all that red tape is in place, but because of the urgency of the situation, you're saying that they took off the red tape but they Correct. didn't, it, that, that doesn't mean that they didn't do the proper process and that this thing hasn't been tested on people. And even since the vaccination has been given, there's still been possibly one death out of 12 million. That, and that's just in the U S but yeah, that, and that's, yeah. And, and I will also add that because of social media, um, there are investigators who don't work for Pfizer, don't work for Moderna, don't work for the government right. who are looking at this data as well. They're independent guys, scientists, doctors, and they're all pretty much all in agreement saying, wow, this is good. The, one of the pod, a podcasts I listened to, they were initially, and these are virologists, they're super smart guys. They were yeah. initially skept, skeptical about the ability for them to make a good vaccine with the mRNA technology. And now they're saying this is going to change forever how vaccines are made. And so really? something, something like RSV that we've never been able to really treat might be able to have a vaccine for it now. And so because th- this can be a template for other vaccines going forward and the speed 
with which they can produce it if there's a mutation they think they can now make a new vaccine within six months to wow. attack a mutation. So let's talk about that. There has been a, a new strain of the vaccine mm-hmm. in in the UK, in South Africa, and in a couple of states in Arkansas. Do Is there any reason to believe that this vaccine will not be effective on that strain that we're hearing about? Yeah, so far, no. And, and Excuse me. I think I just said in a couple states in Arkansas. I yeah. meant in the United States. Uh, yes. There's only one state in Arkansas so far. So. <laughs> it, it can feel like two states sometimes, you know where. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we, we'll call it a mutation, and that's expected on any vi- any virus out there. If, if we test everybody that's that, – if, we, if we're able to capture the virus that every one of us are putting off after we contract the virus, we're all going to probably sh- – give some different mutations and some are ineffective and some are more effective. And so, so far there's no um, evidence that this mutation is causing uh, a problem with the virus of the vaccine. Now, the reason that the the mutation was caught in the UK first, because they have a very, very robust tracking system to catch this stuff. We just don't have that developed in the U S mm-hmm. it's probably been here for, it may have started here. Who knows? It's, it's here. Um, we just don't have the, the the ability to track the stuff like the like South Africa and the UK does. That's why it showed up there first. Okay. Okay. Yep. And all right, but it's not it's not different. Your the vaccine's going to work on that just like this because the part that it works on is the antibodies, and even with a, a mutation. Well, yeah, it works on that spike protein, and so but, far, I'm sorry. yeah, yeah, so far the 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 mutation has not altered the spike protein enough to to make it ineffective. And so if, if there was ever a mutation that altered the spike protein, then that significantly, then that would be where we would have to be looking at a different vaccine. Correct. But so far, so good on that. Okay. All right. That's helpful to know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the rollout. It seems like, um, you know, there's different levels. I've got friends in Mm -hmm. different states. As we're listening to this, um, our teachers have been offered the opportunity to get the vaccine Mm -hmm. um, in Arkansas at some point in the next two weeks. Um, In Arizona, it's offered. We have teachers in Arizona, Arkansas, and South Dakota right now. Mm -hmm. And it's also been offered to the teachers in Arizona. But in Arizona, there's basically, they're giving out the vaccine 24-7 and there's constantly lines at the gyms where they're giving it out. And so mm-hmm. it's really hard to get it. In Arkansas, they're coming to our schools. Um, and so I'm thinking about for people who are not teachers, mm-hmm. it's going to go elderly first, then frontline workers. And something that I think people don't realize is that it's being given out differently in every state. Correct. And so because we have listeners from multiple states, I want to make sure people understand that. And I've started to do some research to try to understand how is it being given out in mm-hmm. states where we have, have kids um, and families. But kids are going to be the last people to get this for the most part, unless they have a pre-existing condition that puts them in a high-risk category. Is that correct? I've not seen a state. Yeah, so so that's because the the... Or the, well, the companies had only researched the vac. You have to present to the FDA who you've done testing in, and they have not okay. done testing at that moment. They had not done enough testing. They're currently actually recruiting uh, subjects for the the younger age group. I noticed in Houston, San Antonio, and somewhere else, there's there's recruiting. Probably okay. other, that's just one group, but um, yeah. it it will become available. It's just they haven't had enough testing done yet, and it's probably going to be okay. safe for them as well. But yeah. um. Yeah, it, yeah. Every state, I, I was impressed. You know, kudos to North Dakota and South Dakota, uh, West Virginia. They are leading the nation in their really? rollout. Yeah, um, okay. you would think 
you know, California would be up there. Just my thought of how California does stuff. They're actually one of the worst uh, states right now in their distribution. Yeah. Um, So yeah, every state's doing it a little bit differently here in Arkansas. It's, it's um, from the health department has so far distributed to pharmacies and large hospitals. Mm -hmm. And they, as soon as more supply was on a um, a podcast, actually a phone call yesterday uh, with Dr. Romero and they're, we're just waiting on more supply to get in Arkansas to get into local clinics, which, you know, yeah. of course, I would like to have vaccines for my patients because a lot of patients say, hey, I trust you. I'll wait right. till you get the vaccine. I don't right. want to initially go to that pharmacy down the road. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. And I just think it it could be a little bit more efficient if our local clinics had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just just judging from how we've how it's been so far, I saw someone say, hey, why aren't we opening up gyms to do this? And I thought, yeah, why aren't we opening up gyms? And then our friend in Arizona had this experience where they can't get in the gyms that are open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so so maybe gyms aren't the best way, but it does seem like your local provider and um, and pharmacists. I mean, mm-hmm. I, let's, yeah, yeah I'm not knocking the pharmacists. They're doing yeah. a great job. I mean, here in Sevier County, we've we we actually got every single healthcare provider that wanted to get it and, and had a few extra doses and, you know, they're saying, okay, what do we do next? And then the health department says, okay, starting Monday, our one B starts. And well, there we go. Yeah. We'll start yeah. getting these people. And, and, and it may be that some small, I've had some people that have property here in Sevier County that live elsewhere. They said, do you think maybe I need to come to Sevier County to get my shot? I said, Hey, it's possible. If we got the doses, we're not saying you can only be a Sevier County resident to get it. And so that, you know, for those listening, if you live in a larger metropolitan area, it may be that you get a shot quicker. It's kind of like the DMV. If you want to get your DMV renewed, come to Sevier County, Arkansas. I promise you it's quicker than (laughs) Washington County. Good to know. And that is uh, an advertisement, I guess, for Sevier County. (laughs) It is very efficient. I appreciate that. Well, let me ask you this. How many people do we all have to get it for it to be effective? No, we don't. We don't yeah. all have to get it, but we do need a large portion to this herd immunity thing we've talked about. We thought initially herd immunity is going to happen with the virus. Well, that's not, that's going to take too long. I saw that 10% of our Kansans have been infected with the disease. Does that sound about right? Well, that's, that's a known, that's a known amount. There is right. a, there's a kind of a predictive model website that I came across that predicts based on household con, knowing how many People live yeah. in a household and because I, I know families, multiple families who had one person get it. Everybody else got sick and they said, yeah, we just assume we all had it and we stayed home. So it predicted, at least in Sevier County, that we had close to 50 percent. Um, really? Yeah. And so if, if I'll try to share that website with you. Um, but yeah, it was interesting because it their, their numbers are higher than what is known. Okay. That, and that makes total sense. And I've even known, yeah, like you said, people who willingly didn't get tested. And then at the beginning of this thing, we knew some kids and families around PRISM who we thought they did, they had a weird disease. And this mm-hmm. was before, this was like in, at the end of February. So it was right. before it was here, you know, in, in Arkansas and known here. And I remember a lot of us thinking later on, do you think that was COVID? Because it, did, it wasn't flu. It wasn't, you know, yep. but we, we had that same thought, and actually it wasn't just here. Um, my, one of my colleagues in Vanderbilt tested about 70 of their colleagues that had similar symptoms. I saw a bunch of that, and nobody that we've tested had COVID antibodies. And so okay. there was some other – there's about 30% of the viruses that go around that we don't even know that exist. And exactly. so, yeah. So interesting. So interesting. Okay. Um, once – if a person gets the vaccine, yes. are they contagious? So you get the the so one the vaccine will not give you the virus. Um, okay. it, it, it's impossible. Um, 
it is possible to get the vaccine. We, we still don't know. So it is possible that you could get the vaccine and it will prevent severe disease. That's number one. You will not die from COVID so far as we know if you have the vaccine. Okay. You will not. You will probably not get hospitalized with COVID if you have the vaccine. That's a good thing. That's great news. Yeah. yeah. And But it is possible that you could still be a reservoir and pass on COVID to somebody else. And so, therefore, we need about probably 80, 70, 80 percent of the people to get the vaccine so that we can protect those who might not be able to and not not just those that don't want to. But th there are some people who just may not right. be able to because of because of their their life situation or whatever. Um, but we do need a large portion to get it to I want you know, I'm ready to be done with mask. I'm ready to travel. And let's let's all kind of join together and do it. And I, th I think about doing it to protect my brother, my neighbor. Um, yeah. I'm doing it for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because you don't even need it. Yeah. And and well, I mean, I didn't at the Are, moment. Yeah. But, if you have the vaccine, you just actually said that your antibodies went down after you got yeah. the disease. So once you should people who've had the COVID-19 get the vaccine? Yes. Because it just like me. Um, some people's antibodies after three months, that's where you hear that 90 day mark um, right. for some things after. So there's a 90 day period. If you've had COVID, you don't have to quarantine for 90 days if you're exposed again. That's why they say that 90 day mark, because after 90 days, some people's antibodies have gone down significantly. Um, so, yeah, you do need it because so far the studies show that the immunization boosts the antibody levels much better than natural immunity. Okay. One of the big things, you know, with our students, we've not had any student get terribly sick mm -hmm. from this. Correct. Um, and we've had very few students get it at all. But of the ones that have had it, they've not been terribly sick. One question I have is if the biggest disruption, I would say, to the students at PRISM mm -hmm. um, has been the quarantine. Correct. Has been they just the constant quarantining for 14 days. Mm -hmm. If you get the vaccine, do you still have to quarantine if you've been exposed to someone? You know, I, that's a good question. I haven't seen any information on that. I could, um, I, you, you I've actually looked and I couldn't find any information. Yeah. On that. Some of the stuff, should you ration? I mean, is well, there a now? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. You know, so you, you wouldn't have to worry about getting sick yourself, but, but if you could potentially pass it on to somebody, um, then, then they may say that I don't, I don't, that's a good question that honestly I haven't even thought of, um, cause it's the first time it's been asked. Um, you know, it's, this, this I is, I always feel like a winner when yeah. I ask you for the first oh, no. time. <laughs> you know, and this is so new. We just, we just, there's some things we just don't know. I like know. I just yeah. was able this week to find out, do you have to wait if you've had COVID to get the vaccine? Initially I was here in 90 days, but the yeah. CDC just updated their information said, no, if you're symptom free, you don't have to wait. I even tested somebody this week to see if they had antibodies to see if what you had three weeks ago was COVID. Well, it didn't matter. They said you don't even need to test. Just, just okay. if you're symptom free, go ahead and get the vaccine. That, that's actually good to hear because we had some teachers who saw that mm -hmm. and we have had teachers get COVID-19. And so they were wondering if they were eligible for this first dose. So, And, and it's possible the pharmacy initially would have received some because that is brand new information. So if they haven't yeah. been updated, they may say, no, you need to wait 90 days and you can yeah. give them the CDC handout okay. and say, no, here it is. Okay. Okay, great. And then you do have to get a second dose, right? With, you can't get the first one. With Moderna and AstraZeneca, it is a two dose. Uh, I said Astra. Moderna and Pfizer are two doses. Pfizer's 21 day waiting period, at least 21 days and Moderna's at least 28. There is no, um, like say if you're traveling for some reason, you're, you can't go. There, it's not like a maximum time you and you have to start over. So once you've got past okay. that first time, any time after that, you can get the second dose. So even let's just say three months down the line, you can get it. Yep. 
Okay. All right. Um, what else? Johnson oh, and Johnson will be a Windows vaccine. Um, okay. They still have not come out yet. What's nice is once they think within the next you know couple months, if Johnson Johnson get approved, then by the early summer we might have uh, you know three hundred million doses available. Wow. Well, and when we we're talking about eighty or ninety percent of the population needing this to yes. be yes. effective, I think that that number is very high. That's not mm-hmm. a number I've I've wondered that, um, and I've heard different numbers, but gracious 80 to 90 percent is a high bar it is is. and i think that that's important that people understand that that um this this doesn't this doesn't we don't deal with this without that um so that's that's super interesting to me to hear that number that's uh a little bit surprising well thanks so much jason we really do appreciate this and this is anytime be really helpful for our families to evaluate their decisions and to just have greater knowledge and understanding of what is involved in this vaccine and in the process to develop it. So we appreciate you and thank you all for joining us. This podcast is a production of Prism Education Center. You can subscribe to this podcast through any platform you access quality podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find out more about Prism Education Center by visiting our website at www.prismeducationcenter.org.